Hello. Hello, nerds. We've missed you. It's been a hot minute. You know, because we we aim to do every two weeks and then... Life. Yeah. I was not feeling so great on the weekend, so we couldn't record on the weekend. Then, yeah, just... I was feeling crappy the other day when we were meant to record. Yeah, because then we were like, oh, like, well, you know, Monday. And then... Yeah. You didn't feel good. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm home Wednesday with Aria, so that actually works better for me. <laughs> yes, it does. So. And I mean, you guys just got to spend more time listening to all the other episodes that you missed. Yeah, hopefully everybody's been able to catch up. I realize we talk for a long time. But it's a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, before we get into, like, the meat of the episode, yes. I don't know if you have heard the news. It was the news from yesterday. There's a couple things from yesterday. Okay, yes, so, there was, actually. It's been, it's been a hot, hot, like, okay. nerd time right now. Paramore released a new song. What? I did not hear that at all. Uh, yeah, that was not the news I was going to tell you oh, about, okay, but this was, okay. like, on the list of things. So, okay, okay. Paramore, releasing new music, has released their first new song. Oh, my God. Um, Tumblr has reinstated pornography. Ooh, I, I heard about that, too, <laughs> and I'm, like, I'm kind of disappointed my my... my feed isn't flooded with like, I know it's like I need titties it's weird though because anytime I look up gifts on the search thing it's nothing but like sexual stuff no matter what it is I'm typing it's just like I'll type in hearts and all of a sudden there's an ass on my face and that yeah. was before this happened so and I don't know if you like you were on like classic tumblr before I was. yeah I so was. it was just like I'm <laughs> so it's like we've won a war <laughs> I can now return to Tumblr and see, uh, follow my gift sets, yes. see the worst take I've ever seen in my fucking life, followed immediately by titties. It's, it's all in one. Everything's there. Thank and it makes me so very happy. But I, so I found it out because I was scrolling through TikTok <laughs> and somebody made a joke about it, like, and they were talking about it. I can't remember what exactly I said, but I was watching it while I was brushing my teeth and I nearly <laughs> fucking choked to death and died. Oh my God. And I was like, well, if this is how I go, what a way. What a way. And then the the big news. Is it the one we're thinking of? Ryan Red. Reynolds? Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. Okay. That one two, too. Two, two extra things. <laughs> two more. Yeah. Ned from the Try Guys. What the fuck? The guy who made his whole personality. His whole personality. Wife, cheated on his fucking wife. With his, like, his employee. One of, the, one of the food babies, Alex. Yeah. I was so, like, I, I am floored. flabbergasted. And then his, his garbage response. Honestly, on the one's focus. Like, can you... What yeah. are you talking about? That's not how you respond to you cheated on your wife for a year. You had a year-long relationship. It was a year-long oh, relationship. I and did not know that. So the other thing is, so somebody was like scrolling through old videos. Like they did a try-on wedding dresses video. Yeah. And they explained Alex's fiance. They were together for 10 and a half years. Dude. Wild. Absolutely wild. That's and then, because I saw, I saw someone t like they took pictures because like they were at a Harry Styles concert in New York, and that's just recently where they took pictures like kind of secretly of them. Like I don't want to look, but I'm like I'm looking. Like oh, what the fuck. Well, and so the reason like those were actually videos, and those are screenshots oh. of videos that were sent to his fiance, like to her fiance, <gasps> that got posted on Reddit. Oh my god! <laughs> and so they and they sent them to him and to Ariel, 
And Ariel had just landed in New York to meet them. And then she apparently turned around and left immediately. Oh, Ariel. It's terrible. The whole thing is awful. Like, I can't. My whole, I don't know what to do. That's just so sick. And I feel like this is petty drama that we're discussing. But it's also like, whoa. But when you brand yourself that way, where you've like, literally since BuzzFeed, he has been nothing but Ariel and his kids. My and wife. Yes. That's it. That was Ned. That was like... He was, was just a, just an average white guy who really loved his wife. And it was wholesome in the beginning, and then it kind of got tiring, and then it was like, oh, it's kind of like, it's nice to see in the media. Yeah. And then you turn around and do this, and it's just mm. like, what the fuck? Yeah. The whole thing is awful. And then... Oh, and then... Oh, my thing. Oh, oh. Um, Which I did also care about, but I would like you to have a thing to contribute to our little gossip <laughs> session, so I'm going to let you talk about it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It was the funniest fucking thing, because I'm scrolling through um, Twitter, like, on break at work, and I thought it was I thought it was just Ryan Reynolds talking about his rectum stuff, like, a new or, clip on, on it, or an update about it, because it was, like, the sword crossing stuff. Like, whatever. And then I, like, it kind of auto-played, and there he is sitting in his, like, Deadpool suit. I'm like, what the fuck? So I started listening to it, and like near the end, it's a, it's an incredible video. It's great. It's so what a genius. What a way. Just what to a drop way. it on a Tuesday, like no big deal. Whatever. No announcement. No like nobody knew it was coming. No. And then I was like, is that Hugh Jackman? Like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. Hey Hugh, <laughs> you want to be Wolverine one more time? Sure, Ryan. And he's eating an apple. Just and walks upstairs. I lost my fucking mind. Like, I showed, I I showed it to Ben last night. <laughs> oh my god! And he was like, "What? What is that? What?" My palms were sweating. I was just knees like, weak, arms sweaty. <gasps> yes, yes. I was just. I couldn't. I couldn't contain myself. My mind was melted. I was like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, amazing. And of course, like now, this has led into people like losing their mind, which you need to like calm down, because what they're losing their mind about is. Some people are speculating, well, now Wolverine is going to be in, in Secret Invasion, as well as Tobey Maguire, and all that. I'm like, like guys, literally just announced one project. And, like, everybody needs to cool their tits a little bit, because yeah, it's been given, like, a very minor drop. Daredevil with She-Hulk. Kanye tits, please. Yeah. You're ruining it for the rest of yeah. us. So. But that doesn't take away from the amazingness. No. I, regardless of how it ends up happening, mm-hmm. I'm very excited about it. And this isn't, like, he's not going to be our 616 Wolverine. No. This is just a new introduction to mutants. Like, that's what it is. It's the introduction to mutants into the MCU. And it makes sense for him, for them, really, to finally have those moments, like, that movie together that we've all been wanting since the origin movie. Uh, I feel like I'm like, I just turned to the TV unnecessarily to do like an office look when you said that sentence, <laughs> when I was like, this is an audio format. <laughs> so nobody can see the face I'm making. So I'll describe it to you. And it is very much like a gym staring directly into the camera. It, it was, it was, it was wonderful. I'm here for you. So that's... Thank you. It's my entertainment people. <laughs> yeah, because I'm really, I'm here to please. <laughs> Specifically you, apparently. I'm here for you all just get to go along with the ride. But, like, it's just, it's wonderful. Did you see the, the Halloween trailer drop as well? Yes. It looks really good. I'm very excited. I think 
one of my favorite things about it, and it's a weird thing to like comment on, mm-hmm. is the lighting. You can see things. Like, it's been a gripe of mine because it's so unfortunate because there's so much horror content that I just absolutely adore. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I can't watch it in a dark room and like really get into it because it's pitch fucking black on the screen. I recently just bought Halloween in 4K, the original. Yep. And that was really well done. Like, it's it's a great movie. Yeah. It's it's well lit. It is a it's well balanced. There mm-hmm. is darkness, but it's balanced out so that you can see the things you're supposed to be seeing. Right. And I don't know if it's like the change in film format or like the addition of like layering on yeah. CGI effects that changes it. But I think there's been like a step away from yes, having dark portions of the screen is like essential for suspense and so yeah. forth. But I still want to like be able to see what's happening. And I think a lot of that has to do with possibly hiding the CGI as much as they can, yeah. where it's not so obvious. And I'm like, just don't be afraid of the lighting. Like you, you were saying, it's like, it's going to be probably just as scary when it's light out and something jumps out at you and you're like, holy oh, fuck. Well, and I love daytime horror. Right. Like, one of the scariest movies, as far as I'm concerned, is like, most of Texas Chainsaw Massacre right? is daytime and like bright lit. And that movie slaps. Right. Toby Hooper is a genius, and apparently it's, like, it was so, it's because all the corpses and stuff, like, all of the dead animals were, like, real dead animals. Oh. In the hot Texas sun. Ugh. And, like, people were barfing on set because it smelled so bad. Ugh. I was like, that's a commitment to the bit that I appreciate. Absolutely. <laughs> that could be just a whole episode by itself, is just, like, really well-lit, like, horror movies. Yeah. I mean, spooky season is literally a few days away, people, so... Uh, we'll definitely be doing some special horror content. Yeah, and if there's... I still need, I, I still need to buy the the Freddy. Oh, Five Nights at Freddy's. Five Nights at Freddy's. See, I'm not, I'm not a big into horror games, but I will play the shit out of that with Kayla. Uh, yep, we absolutely do need to do that. I'm trying to think of like if there's any other like shorter ones that we can do. There's a few. Mm-hmm. So we'll make. Man, Madame is too complicated. Um. The Curse of Edith Finch is really short, and it's, like, spooky as fuck. Oh, okay. And it's really cool. Um, A video game? Yeah. Oh, okay. And then... Little Nightmares, I've heard. Little Nightmares is super fun, and it's, like, very grotesque, but it's not, like, scary scary. Right. I have, like, a whole bunch. We can talk talk about that. Um, If there's any particular spooky season content that you guys are interested in, please let us know. We're happy to do that. Yes. Uh, This is my time. Yes, it is. This is my time. I'm I'm late to the horror game, mostly because it's like realizing what's what's scarier than real life. So, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you, and you're never too old to get into this type of stuff, you know. I really thought I had seen Halloween, and watching it, I'm like, I, I've never seen this at all. So one of the, a lot of people assume that they've seen Halloween mm-hmm. because when people were watching horror movies in other movies. Halloween was more often than not the one that was put on the screen because of a copywriting error when the original Halloween was released. Mm. It was released copyright free. Oh, so anybody could play it, which is it's one of the reasons it's in Scream. Like it's on, it's like on the background, right? And people are, like people watch it in other movies mm-hmm. very frequently. That's very true. Like the more I think about it, yeah, it's very very common. And like they all use different scenes and stuff because you can use the entire movie. 
Right. Um, there's a few like key scenes and stuff, but it's a very, very common movie for people to be watching because it was accidentally released horror, um, copyright free. Oh my god. <laughs> that's, that's kind of amazing, but also like, oh shit. Yeah, it's like that's not, like that sucks, but there's I'm trying to think of like oh, there was like a new Hellraiser TV show coming out. Yes, that's right. I'm I haven't so seen the trailer. Oh, well, you should watch the trailer. Okay. It's actually really, really good. Well, Michael Flanagan, I uh, <gasps> Midnight Club. Midnight Midnight Club. The Midnight, Midnight Club. Club. I'm so excited. That looks great. Uh, Del Toro is coming out with a very like grotesque looking like horror series on Netflix. Yeah, that looks fucking dope. Uh, What's next week? Uh, um, uh, the. Focus Focus 2? That's this weekend. That's that's this weekend or is it next weekend? I thought it was the first weekend of October. This this weekend? Oh my god. I don't even know what day it is. Okay. (laughs) That's this weekend. It's Friday. It's releasing on Friday. I'm a fucking idiot. No. (laughs) I'm a fool. I am a fool. Uh, But yeah, Mike Flanagan series is supposed to be really, really good. There's Um, a new Hellraiser series. The season two of the Chucky TV series is coming out. I didn't watch that one. It's good. Oh. Um, So Chucky's a weird one. Right. Um, because when the, when Child's Play and Child's Play 2 came out, and even Child's Play 3 to a point, like, they were genuine horror movies, like, genuinely scary, and they, but they had, like, a few quips and stuff, because you can't have a killer fucking child's doll <laughs> that doesn't right. have, like, a level of comedy to it and, like, a level of silliness. Right. And then we leaned into the silliness and it went off the fucking rails, for the middle. <laughs> um, Bride of Chucky is great only because it introduces Tiffany and I fucking I, love Tiffany. I love, I, that was actually my first child's play movie was, was Bride, Bride of Chucky. Chucky. And then Seed of Chucky is a fucking fever dream. That movie is terrible. Like it's, it's not, I don't want to say that it's terrible, but it's a lot. It's, it's a, a lot, lot. And it doesn't really make any sense. At all. And then the fact that it's like, Pippin from Lord of the Rings is voicing the kid. I watched it just for him because I was like, oh, cool, Billy Boy's in this. And I'm like, oh, he's oh. not really. It's all it like, oh, match. I, hate, I, it doesn't match. I hate all of this. I hate all of it. Um, And then we have. Remake, right? Uh, there, Well, there's more in the initial, in the original run of the movies as well. Okay. Because there is um, Cult of Chucky and something else. Um, and those ones are really good. Uh, and that's kind of where the series picks up from, is from the Cult of Chucky era. Oh, okay. Um, and they're all Dan Mancini movies. They're really, really good. I really like them. But those ones, they returned a little bit to the horror roots, and they kept the comedy without making it absurd. Right. So there is um, Curse of Chucky and Cult of Chucky. Oh, okay. Yeah, Curse of Chucky sounds familiar. Yeah, so Cult of Chucky was 2017, Curse of Chucky was 2013. Oh, okay. And then they have the remake, which is a separate universe than what the TV show is set in. Because the TV is set in the um, original Don Mancini universe, because he is who wrote it initially. And he directed the last three. And I believe he directs the TV show as well. Okay, because I saw that... um... Tiffany's coming back for the TV show. She is right? in the TV show. Oh, she is in the and TV she show. Oh, is how have I missed this? So fucking good. <laughs> so good. Miss Tilly. Yeah. Yeah. I cannot hear Blondie's song now without thinking of that scene in Bride of Chucky where she's like getting dressed up as the doll and putting her black lipstick on. I'm like, oh my god. Uh, 
I would totally like. Oh, well, Jennifer Tilly is so fucking hot. She is, she, and she still she's is. A gift. She's a gift. She still is, and she's funny and weird and great, and I love her so much. Um, but yeah, so season two, they the the first trailer dropped for season two. Ooh. Looks super super good. Season one was really great. I had to check this out. Now. Um, yeah, there was Halloween ends. Uh, and the new Hellraiser series. What else? There was something uh, else. Oh, Werewolf, Werewolf, Werewolf by Night. Thank you. By Night. Oh my God. Um, which is if you haven't seen anything about it, I go and look, at look the, up the, the trailer. trailer. I've heard nothing but really great things, and it makes me so happy. And the fact that it's kind of just like a one special. Well, so I think so. Werewolf by Night is actually is a character. Yeah. Um, who is from, what is the team called? Because Moon Knight was, uh, uh Midnight in, Suns. Yeah. Because Moon Knight was actually introduced in a Werewolf by Night comic book. Ooh. Um, episode, uh, comic number 38, I think. I'd have to double check. Don't, don't look up my math that directly. <laughs> um, but, and also like one of the women in the trailer, they think is going to be Elsa Bloodstone, who is like mm. a vampire hunter. Uh -huh from within the marvel universe there's a few other people that are supposed to be like other yeah who was it it was the thing not the, the not the thing no um uh, man thing man thing yes. is in the trailer he and i lost my shit he i great. love man thing because what a fucking weird power set and i think everybody <laughs> was just like oh like it's their answer to swamp thing but then you realize like how his powers work and it's like you are not like something at all you just are also a big giant green plant thing <laughs> but you he's basically like if swamp thing and right. scarecrow had a baby oh because that's he's interesting yeah oh yeah <laughs> so good so good very very interesting i think we'll have to do a, a watch yeah. Watch along for that. Uh, it, it's only, a, it's a special, right? Yeah, so it's I like think an it's, hour. I think it's like an hour and 15 minutes or something like yeah, that. Yeah, hour and 20. 45 or 50 minutes, I think it was. It was it's kind of relatively short. Yeah. Which uh, is fine. It's great. I'm glad that Marvel's just going to fucking go for it and do weird shit. And I, I love, I love that it's like a 1930s yeah. universal styled monster movie. My and it is leaned yeah. in to the practical effects. Yes, I've heard that it's like mostly practical, and that you can tell, and it's not in a bad way, but it's like it's it's not meant to be taken that seriously, and it just reminds me of like Tales of the Crypt, which we are going to be talking about. Yes, yes, we are. I'm I'm so excited for that. Um, Yes, October 7th is when it drops. Yep. And I am here for it. I hope we start getting more uh, yearly seasonal specials. Because, like, after this, we'll be getting this, the, the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. Mm -hmm. So that could be a continuation as well. And who knows what else. Yeah. So it's going to be so great. And I love that it's all black and white. Uh, it's just, and it's weird. It's a weird concept mm -hmm. piece. And I love that they're doing a weird concept piece. Yes. Very fun. Super excited about it. Thought the trailer was incredible, um, and I love me chills. I'm I love weird shit. Um, very very excited. Um, so do we want to do just a quick introduction as to what we're gonna talk about, and then we'll yes. 
start a new segment to kind of get into it. Sounds great. We will be talking about the Comic Code Authority. Yeah. Which, like, we've discussed that in the beginning of the podcast of, like, it would be great to kind of do a, a deep dive into. And yeah. So here we are. We're, we're coming back around <coughs> a lot of things. A year and some time. Better late than never, though. Yeah. It's on the, it was on the list. Yeah. It was always on the list. I think back to that initial first list of episodes that we had planned. <laughs> I feel like I have it saved somewhere. And I, it makes me laugh so hard. Because, like, half of them are still on the list. Yes. So we, because we had initially, like, made a schedule and, like, planned when we were going to talk about things. And then we realized, I think it was, like, third episode in. Yeah. We're just like, I didn't do any of my research, so we're going to have to talk about something else. And then it just has gone off the rails. Like, a, like that's out the window. We're not doing and, that. And typically, it's like, if we think about a hot take question... It drops on the Monday, and then we, if we get a response, we get a response from people. Yeah. Or we discuss what the topic is the, the day before. Yeah. So that's why our Facebook is very inconsistent, and that's why I'm like, do we want a Twitter? <laughs> I, I, the, the best that I could contribute would be shitty jokes. That's, I, I want that to be a thing. <laughs> it needs to be Kayla's shitty joke corner. <laughs> and like, I'm just going to shit tweet everything. Well, one of us has to post relevant content, and um, then I can just post funny things that is in- that are engaging. There's only two of us, so, so um, so yes, yeah, so we're gonna be talking about the uh, Comics Code Authority, um, which was uh, implemented in 1954. Yeah, implemented in the 1950s and was. Uh, in some way, shape, or form, relevant in comics until 2011. Which blew my fucking mind. Yeah. Uh, there was changes to it throughout, and we'll talk about, yeah. like, a few times that the codes itself changed or the rules around them changed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's absolutely wild. And it's kind of, it mirrors what's called the Hayes Code from film. Okay. Which was introduced slightly earlier and taken out of effect a little bit earlier because the Hayes Code was introduced in the 40s Mm. and um, was then removed from film um, starting in, I think, the the mid-90s. So those go tandem, and it's a lot to do with the time era, what was happening politically, and all of that jazz. So I think it's going to be a super interesting topic. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to yeah. be fun. All right. So let's take a, we're going to just start a brand new segment and let's talk about the pre-Comics Authorities comic okay. landscape. I have some information on that if you haven't looked anything up yet. Please do. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot to take in. Like I did try to watch as many videos as I could and really what it, at least what I took away from it is like it really affected the, the horror genre a yeah. lot more than it did. Not that it didn't. So, pigeonhole, you know, superhero content. And it's it's affected how superheroes comics were allowed to represent themselves yeah. for a very long time. Um, but it really paved the way to allow superhero comics to become yeah. the the bastion of what comic books are. Mm-hmm. So we will be right back. Hi. Hello. Um so let's very briefly touch on the comic landscape before the Comics Code Authority. Yeah, and the video that you shared was really informative. Like, I was like, I, I never got to part two, but it was just really 
interesting to kind of hear about the history of where comic books started, where it was like it was only meant to be in newspapers and then thrown away. That was it. That was the whole point of comic books. Um, so a lot of one of the sources that I shared with Felicia, and it's one of the reasons that I even learned what the Comics Code Authority was. Mm-hmm. I'd seen the logo, um, and I knew that there had been like a lull in horror comic book content and like mm-hmm. formatting of had that of that had changed. Um, but and I but I wasn't sure why. And then uh, this a lot of the information because why would I reinvent the wheel does come from the uh in praise of shadows on YouTube he does a he has a two-part video essay about the history of of comic books great like memory because I'm like I don't remember what it was called so I looked it up like I I opened up the the page on that you sent me yeah so yeah in praise of shadows and it's called uh, the title is the golden age of horror comics part one and just like the the title card alone is like really cool. Yeah, and he does fantastic work in general. He also does like a really really interesting one about the history of like the Wizard of Oz and oh. those books, like and Frank Obam. Um, he's done ones about like some like really like terribly ill received um, like horror movies. He just did one recently about this movie Nothing But Trouble. Okay, which is the only movie. That Dan Arthur has ever directed. Oh, really? And it is a thing. Okay. It has Chevy Chase in it. It has Demi Moore in it, and Dan Aykroyd and John Candy. What's it called? Nothing but trouble. I'm googling this right now. And it is wacky, huh. like beyond wacky. I really like it for the sheer camp of it. It flopped so horrendously. Oh, it was like it was wild. That's, that's, this is weird. Right? Looking at the images, I'm like, what is this movie? What is happening? And that is... Why does his nose look like a penis? Yep. Well, Um, uh, good on you, Mr. Aykroyd, for... And then the other one was an article... Who wrote this article? Because I would like to cite them directly. Because I'm going to be using a lot of stuff from their article. Uh, uh, from Book Riot. Okay. Um, Bookriot.com, specifically Julia Rittenberg, and she releases an. Uh, I just pulled it back up. I didn't. I do not remember her name. I did have to pull it back up. No, that's fair. That's good. Um. So, horror like comics in general were initially built and made to be inserts into newspapers and thrown away, um, and then they started expanding the content to uh, paper booklets. Yeah. That could be bought and sold for minimal money in shops and like at your grocery stores and things like that. Um, but a lot of the content that was pulled was retellings of traditional ho- horror stories because horror stories were already in short story format for the most part pre the 1970s. Horror novels weren't really popular Um until quite a bit later and like anthologies and short stories were kind of the bread and butter Mm -hmm. of literary literary horror you had a few that were like breakout literaries that were technically part of the horror genre but even then they're more novellas than full-length novels like think about dracula is not a very long book it's more of a novella 
Frankenstein is also more of a novella. So a lot of Count of Monte Cristo, like all of Edgar mm-hmm. Allan Poe's works, right, even true. the longer ones are short stories or novellas rather than full-length novels. So they lent themselves very well to being translated into, into comic, form. comic form, as well as um, a lot of this was informed by the ending of World War One through to the ending of World War II, the Great Depression, um, the like beginnings of concerns about communism. And it was, horror has always been a genre built around exploring societal woes right. and how we look at that lens. So before the introduction of the, uh, the comic code, Horror was uh, almost half of all published comics. Wow. Were horror titles. Specifically, um, a lot of them were done by EC Comics. Yes. Um, And EC Comics uh, initially started as Education Comics. um, And they did runs of... um, Tales of the Crypt was... Tales of the Crypt was an EC comic. But so when it was the son of the initial original owner and publisher for EC comics took over. Mm-hmm. Um, he really pushed to have the horror titles and became kind of a bastion of publishing. Um, Maxwell Gaines was the original owner and then his son, William Gaines took over after Maxwell passed. Yeah. So and that was in, um, after 1947 was when uh, William took over. Um, and so like an EC, like Max Gaines also did like a lot of, um, crime fiction, which has kind of lent itself into the horror fiction that they started doing. Which, like, as I started reading and listening to a lot of what the code was, it's like, oh, this is directly and attacking. It, so and it, it was directly attacking. Yeah. Um, a lot of this was really designed to push... A lot of the comics code was designed to push horror comics out. Um, and that was because a lot, specifically William Gaines and EC Comics were pulled into a controversy controversy where they had to appear in front of the U.S. Senate. Jeez. Um, about, and this was, they had these Senate hearings about juvenile delinquency. Um, yeah, because there was a big push from the government as well as the church because they... They thought, you know, children shouldn't be exposed to this. Like, it's not real reading, which I thought was a joke. Because it's a perfect introduction to reading. Like, real, like... Um, The other thing that was, like, not seen well is that EC Comics had a lot of... They were horror titles, Mm -hmm. but the messaging behind the, the stories and the parables themselves were things like... Very progressive um, for the time. Anti-war advocacy, talking about nuclear disarmament, um, racial, racial equality. equality. Like yeah. a lot of those things were super, super important in key points of the stories. Yeah. Um, and they were tackling people's like their issues beliefs. and like their beliefs and what yeah. they were thinking about it. The like, other comic book that uh, Gaines did run for many, many years, he did end up selling it off in the seventies, but uh, remained the publisher, but didn't retain the rights to it. Is a uh, William Gaines has created Mad Magazine. What? Yeah. Really? Yeah. 
And that was how he kept EC Comics afloat for a long time. Wow. Because after the code, he couldn't publish, they couldn't have anything with the words horror in the title. They couldn't have anything um, with the words terror in the title. So stupid. Yeah. So, like, they really had to, like, there was a lot of the things they had, they had to basically just immediately remove from publication. And it wasn't, it was kind of like a soft ban because they could technically still make them, but they were not eligible to be sold in general stores. Mm, Okay. So could they still have released those comics? Yes, but they would have had, they wouldn't have had distribution for them. Right. And really like um, from what I took away as well, EC really supported their artists. Yes. Like, they let them have free reign over the art that they did, and just, like, letting them have their own art style. Mm-hmm. Where, on the other side, with the superhero comics, it was very much, it was cut and paste. Like, you are drawing Superman the way we want him to be drawn. Yeah. there You don't get to have any variations of him. Which I thought was really interesting. And just the fact that, you know, here's EC Comics out here supporting their artists in a way that they wouldn't get anywhere else. And they were constantly searching for new stories and inviting people to submit things to them and really just about creating the most interesting works that they could possibly create rather than... Yeah. And they, it was marketable because people were interested rather than um, trying to create something to be marketable, mm-hmm. just to be marketable. It's like, no, we, it, people liked it because it was cool, because it was interesting. And especially, you know, them being able to sign off on the artwork. Yeah. You know, like, this is what I did. This is what I drew. It's like, you, you deserve that recognition because that's talent. Even if you are just like copying what someone else has done or, you know, like keeping that original design. Yeah. Like, that's still, like, I couldn't do that. Fuck. <laughs> um, so, so yeah. So, they got called in when they undertook the um, the code. Mm-hmm. Uh, shortly before they did that, he was pulled in to speak in front of the U.S. Senate for the, uh, the House of Representatives for Un-American Activities, I believe is what the actual title is. But oh. it was, like, McCarthy Trials. Oh, okay. So I don't know if you know anything about the McCarthy Trials. So what the McCarthy Trials was, was um, McCarthy was the leader of the FBI and the, or the CIA oh. for a while. Um, and his un-Americanisms is basically communist, if you're communist. Oh, great. Um, so it was witch hunts for anybody who could even possibly potentially mm-hmm. have communist ties in any way, shape, or form. They would dig through all of their... Per- and they were brought before, behind the director of uh, the Un-American Activities. I've heard about this. I just uh, didn't realize what it was called. Yeah. So it's, it's McCarthy trials. So, like, these things are happening in tandem. So you have this huge upheaval mm-hmm. and shift of um, post-World War II things are changing... Um, women have entered the workforce. We've had to like kind of re- readjust our views. There's been huge mass casualties. So yeah. how we're operating in the world is different. We've had so much technological advancements. Um, it's the same thing as like the concept of like the nuclear family. Right. Doesn't really get pushed too much into the late 40s. Yeah. 
Um, and it's because women were entering the workforce. And, and yeah, it's all I mean, interconnected. It's, yes, it, it just is interesting that everything, like all of this stuff is happening at the same time. Yeah. I got you. Censorship. <laughs> um, that become more rampant because it's like the government just trying to have as much control as possible. Um, one of the stories that um, got, so basically once the comics code was introduced, there was some general rules that had to follow. But basically what you had to do is when you made a comic, mm -hmm. you had to send it to their review board for them to approve or deny. Yeah. Um, so one of these science fiction stories that, um, Games and EC Comics sent in. It's called Judgment Day. Mm -hmm. And it is a very famous comic. Um, and it was about an astronaut who for the like almost the entirety of the comic is wearing his helmet because he's on an, an alien planet with robots. And he sees there's two different types of robots. Right. Um, and they are inviting him to like be part of their society and stay and blah, 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 blah. And he, as he's watching, as he realizes that the blue robots are oppressing the orange robots. And he's like, I'm not part of this. I will not be part of this. And as soon as he gets back on the ships, he takes his helmet off and he is an African-American person. Uh, and they were like, oh. he can't be black. <gasps> what? That was the reason for refusing it is he couldn't be black. <gasps> what the fuck? Yeah. So when it's, it's things like that. Like, so... It was done under the guise of morality, mm -hmm. but it was about control and it was about censorship and um, not wanting to really work through any of our upheld beliefs and ideals. It's so wild to me because some of like some of the things that they were so like there was no uh, bloodshed. You couldn't have uh, any form of drugs. You could not have any sex. There could not be... You couldn't even have crime on the actual title by itself. It had to be crime and then something else. Yeah. Um, you had to show... Um, you couldn't have the police lose. <laughs> you couldn't have um, anti-government rhetoric of any kind. <laughs> Females you... shall be drawn realistically without exaggeration of any physical qualities. Yeah. Like some of these are just fucking stupid. Some suggestive of them and uh, salacious illustration or suggestive uh, posture is unacceptable. Uh, scenes dealing with or instruments associated with Walking Dead, torture, vampires, and vampirism, ghouls, cannibalism, and were werewolfism are prohibited. Yeah, straight up, and, and nothing, basically nothing paranormal. All uh, lurid, unsavory, gruesome illustrations shall be eliminated. Yep. Eliminated. Even the wording is very, like, strong. Yeah. Scenes of excessive violence shall be prohibited. Scenes of brutal torture, excessive and unnecessary knife and gunplay. Physical agony, the glory and gruesome crime shall be eliminated. No comic magazine shall use the words horror or terror in its title. Criminals shall, uh, shall not be presented so as to render glamorous or to occupy a position which creates a desire for emulation emulation yeah so crime's not cool don't do it kind of like don't show it at all i guess uh yeah uh and like some of them some of the things that ended up coming from this later and we'll talk about this as we yeah. like move into the implementation and the changes through the 70s mm -hmm. um but basically like that 
there was another comic and I can't remember the name of the company, but it did um, serialized comic versions of like the universal monster stories and oh. like the original Dracula story and like Frankenstein. Uh, and they had to stop publishing Wow! because they did serialized <laughs> versions of uh, horror those... literature, like of award-winning literature mm -hmm. that they were no longer allowed to do. So the craziest thing is the comics code only applied to books that could be classified as comic books, which meet specific stipulations. So a lot of like some of them got around these by switching formatting, oh. which is why mad turned into a magazine. Oh, and all they had to do was change it to it on almost exclusively black and white format rather than a color format. Like old comics were. Yeah. Uh, as well as um, increase the page sizing. That's very interesting. And I think that's something that I heard someone else say for the creators to become, well, creative yeah. <laughs> in getting around the code. Yeah, a lot of a lot of things were done to get around it. And unfortunately, a lot of the induction of the code and a lot of the, the rules that were created were... Um, xenophobic responses um racist responses sexist responses to the world that they were living in mm -hmm. as well as pulled from a couple key books that were released by um psychologists quack doctors um and um christians within the country so one of the big ones was a book by um there was two Articles by uh, Dr. Frederick Wortham that came out in 48 that ended up being like the basis for the juvenile delinquency panels that they held. Mm -hmm. uh, one of which was called Horror in the Nursery and the Psychopathology of Comic Books. Um, so the industry trade group, the Association of Magazine Comic Book Pub uh, Publishers, was formed in 48, which is like the precursor group. So they had codes, but they weren't really well enforced at okay. that time um, and was ineffective. Um, and easy just straight up left the association in 50. Did like, he? like, I'm not doing this. Um, by 1954, there was only three comic book publishers who remained in the association. So they had to Basically, the seals didn't mean anything because there was only three publishers in there. Uh, and then in 54, Wortham published uh, The Seduction of the Innocent. And, and oh, was yeah. I part uh, in the publicized congressional hearing on juvenile delinquency. Um, there was also a federal investigation of the distribution of comic books, the distribution companies that did comic books and pulp magazines. Um that caused a whole bunch of them to have fall into legal trouble wow. and um several of them closed up completely it's just tragic you know like so many people just losing their jobs and losing what they love because of scared individuals you know it's just it's just insane it's i remember just reading all of this and just kind of like trying to wrap my head around it yeah just so that they had so much power to completely silence so many people of, of of important issues. Yeah. Like, it's insane. It's really disheartening 
because there was so much really wonderful, progressive, interesting content. Yeah. And we think about that time period as being very conservative. Yeah. And a lot of that is not because it necessarily was always. There was a lot of conservatism that came out of that era. But that was in response to times changing. And you'll mm-hmm. you notice that it comes in cycles too. So we kind of are in that right now. Right. Where... Things have changed so much and the people people are mad that it's not the way that they are used to it being. So now we have regressive conservatism coming in and bearing its ugly head. Mm-hmm. So you it comes in cycles and patterns. It's kind of like why you have um, post like 60s and 70s when you had the free love generation and all right. of that. You move in to um, the like say no to drugs campaigns and Reaganomics and um, like all of that stuff through to the early nineties. Yeah. Where, grunge and- yeah. But even then, like just like politically, politically, yeah, it was a significantly, we had dropped a lot of the progressive policy work that we had been doing. And there wasn't a lot of movement forward through the eighties. Right. It's, it's interesting kind of like, being on Twitter now. Yeah. Versus when it first started. Like I was. Twitter is like a fucking wasteland. It really is. And of course it's like. Because everyone's a critic now. Everyone feels like their voice needs to be heard. And it's like. I'm, I'm just finding. If your only opinion is something is trash. I don't care. If that's the only thing you have to say. It's like I'll have an actual meaningful conversation. If you tell me why. Mm-hmm. Why is it you don't like this property or what's playing or blah 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 blah? And if it's if it's just trash, then just stop watching, just stop reading, stop being concerned that like oh it's wrecking children. No, it's not. It's and it's like not your close mindedness is, and it's not their job for you for to control what other people's children are consuming. Yeah, exactly. If that is not something that you want your child learning, shitty for you because you kind of suck. But also, it is not the job mm-hmm. of a creator or a distributor or whoever to police what other people are engaging in. Exactly. Their job is to release content to whoever would like to indulge in it. Yeah. So... It is your job as a parent and it is your job as a person to review what you're taking in, what your family's taking Mm -hmm. in, how, what you want to be consuming. You cannot tell other people what they can and cannot do. Absolutely. And and like in the video, it does say it's like these comics were never meant for children. No. It was meant for the older audiences. If children were getting a hold of it. That's not on the distributor. It's not on the creators. It's on the people around them. That, like, how did this happen? Sure, but, like, it's also a learning opportunity. You can teach your children this. But, of course, back in the day, uh. God forbid I have to talk to my own child. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and I think that that is something that we still struggle with, right? Like, mm-hmm. people are always like, but think about the children. I'm thinking about my own kid. Yeah. Right? Like, I... And you should know what your child can handle. And also, like, not my fucking business. Yeah. What you 
expose your child to or what your child is doing, unless they are like in my home and I am responsible for them at that time, not my fucking business. Mm-hmm. And it's not your fucking business. What my kid is doing. Yeah. Are they going to like physically hurt themselves? It's going to traumatize them for life. Mm-hmm. Uh, or are you personally right now responsible for that kid? No, no to any, like, all the above, then fuck off. It's nothing to do with you. But yeah. It's just, yeah, it's it's kind of... Sounds about white. <laughs> I think we should just exit the segment right here. <laughs> right there. That's perfect. All right. So we'll talk about um, how the end of horror comics kind of created the, the second golden age superhero comics. Sounds great. We're back. Hello. So, the code stayed in effect. All all the way up to 2011. It's insane. Even though there was only two companies running under, it was DC and Archie. By the end. By the end. Yeah, by the end, that was, they were the last two holdouts. Um, so that kind of was, was the end of the horror comic as, as we knew it. And it really then opened up because it took away the market share Mm -hmm. of horror comic books. So that really allowed to the superhero genre to just take over. And it took off. It had always been popular. Yeah. But then like... (laughs) Not that they were really competing with the horror genre, but it's just like, it just, yeah. They weren't dividing the market anymore. No. It's like the the main focus for comic books was, in fact, superheroes. You know, like, and of course you get the one-offs like Archie and everything like that. Uh, The only other ones that still stayed in, um, until probably like the the 60s, were science fiction comics. Oh. But... I don't know why I never thought of science fiction having it's like, I'm always kind of used to it. It's like they have novels, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But But that's what I mean is because they kind of stopped being Mm -hmm. this, this fifties still had lots of science fiction going on because there we were, there's a lot of stuff, science fiction happening in the fifties. Some of my favorite science fiction movies are from the fifties. Oh, um, it's like the original thing. Um, Oh, that's right. That's, um, the thing from another world. Yes. Uh, it is. Forgot. It's fucking crazy. Um, the 130 foot woman. The original arachnids. Um, but yes. Uh, the blob. Like that was a 50s movie. Oh. So like there was a lot of science fiction. Especially because science fiction was a lot easier for them to skirt around the Hayes Code. Because it was so over the top and comical. Mm-hmm. That it couldn't be deemed like grotesque violence. <laughs> like like we mentioned, it's just having people be more creative. It's having people think outside the box of like, well, how do I get around this? Yeah. All right. So do you want to talk to me a little bit about what you found out about early <laughs> comics? Like early superhero comics? I swear I did research you guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's all good. I can talk about them. We're I- fine. It's like, it's so frustrating sometimes because I have it in my brain and I have the sentence worded in my brain 
and then it goes. It's all good. And it's like, I'm happy that I don't do this on my own. Or like, <laughs> I'd be like two episodes in and it would just not be a thing anymore. <laughs> This it's all guys would not be a thing without um, with me. I love feeling like I know everything. So I really like just like being able to talk <laughs> at length about because then the, you trigger a memory and like, oh right, I did read this. I know about this. I we can talk it. about this. Um so it didn't have as much of an effect on superhero comics as it did on everything else, obviously. But there were some things that they did have to take out of superhero comics because they weren't allowed to, like you mentioned earlier, like show like crimes being committed Mm -hmm. on page. So you could see them, you like, you could see the robber going into the building. Right. And you could see them coming out with bags of things, but you never got to see the actual crime, the into the actual crime being committed. Um, so it was the same thing as like so why you would get cutscenes between like the villain like setting up a bomb. Right. It's like they would get there, they'd be no like, We're setting bomb. up a bomb. And then like they come back and the bomb is set up. You don't actually get to see any of those things because they were not allowed to show any of that on page. Um and it's one of those things, it's one of the reasons that the um superheroes would always leave villains just tied up for the police is because they had to show the police participating and succeeding and like doing their jobs which they're the good guys they're the good guys and it's actually funny because there's been a few times where by by having to fit within the code it's changed the context of certain scenes right um and like kind of fucked them up and like made them worse. There's specifically the one example that I can think of is there is a Green Lantern comic and it's, I don't know if you've ever heard of the term uh, fridging the woman. Yes, I have. So that comes from a Green Lantern comic. Oh, um, I, oh, I remember hearing about this so somewhere. If you've heard the term fridging the woman and it is where you kill off a woman to progress a man's story. And it comes from a Green Lantern comic. And the reason it's called Fridging a Woman is because he, the Green Lantern at that time, and I can't remember which Green Lantern it was. Might've been Hal. I don't know. I'm guessing it would be Hal because I don't think- It would've been John the 70s. Stewart, yeah, probably Hal. It would've been Hal John, then. John, I don't think John was- Till late. Um, 90s? I was gonna say, yeah, like the- 80s, like, 90s? I even think it was a little bit into, like, a little bit into the 90s. But anyway, it was the that iteration of the Green Lantern um, where one of his foes had killed his, his wife and put her in the fridge. Oh. Um, and he opens the fridge and- all you see is just her dead body in there. So when they submitted it to the to the Comics Code Authority, mm-hmm. they said they had to cover. You had to draw the door mostly closed. You could not see the dead body. But in order to convey on there what was actually happening, they had to dismember her body. So it was very clear mm. that she was dead. So instead of just having just this poor woman's dead body shoved into a fridge, they'd had to dismember her and have it peeking through the corner of the door. 
And it's just like, my guy. Yeah. I don't think that's better. Like, I don't. Yeah, because I, I, I remember hearing that really sparked the conversation of, like, this keeps happening to a lot of women for a lot of, like, those types of stories. Yeah. And you're, you're hearing the term now more for just anything, right? That, that, that progresses the man's story. Yeah. When there's like violence of- or harm or trauma done to a woman mm-hmm. to progress a man's story. Yeah. Which is unfortunately still very common. But yes. the term comes from. From that. Wow. From a Green Lantern comic book. I, I remember it came from a comic book. I did not remember that it came from a Green Lantern book. Yeah, it was a Green Lantern comic book. Um, so the code remained unchanged until the 70s, until the, yeah, until the early 1970s. And it was specifically looked at because Stanley went to, I was just reading that. Yeah. So Stanley went to the comics authority, um, and he was asked, asked to do, um, he was asked to do, um, a comic about drug, drug abuse. Yeah. Like very anti-drug right for spider-man specifically asked by the u.s government so he was like yeah sure like i they have to the government asked me to do this yeah i gotta that's where he went to the cca and pled his case of like this is being asked of me and that it is anti-drug abuse it's anti-drugs it's anti-crime um i remember reading this article where it was like you have to thank spider-man for the the comic the cca to be looked at but but his request was not approved. Oh, so if you actually look at the title, there was a very similar story that happened. I want to say it was a DC comic, but a year and a half later. But yeah, so it was a, another comic book that actually did receive because if you like, if you look, here's the cover of the the issue that dealt with the drug use. And as you can see, it does not have the seal on there. Oh. Uh, I can't remember who it was. It was a DC one. It was about a year and a half later. Um, Green so, Lantern, Green Arrow, 1971. I think it might have been Green Arrow. Green yeah, because it was Green Arrow, Arrow because it was because Speedy had heroin addiction. I Yep. Yeah. See, I remember. I'm getting there. Um, oh, it's a great memory. I was just reading the, the, the sentence and you were like, Speedy and heroin. I was like, oh, yeah. right there. Um, so it wasn't even, it was so like the Spider-Man one was earlier in the year and that was still in 71. Yes. I thought it was a year apart. Either way. So Stanley, even though the actual government requested that he do this because Spider-Man was so popular Mm -hmm. with young kids, they were like, yeah, it's a good story, but no. Um, but so they, after that, they couldn't approve it, but it did make them do the first revisions on the code. So Spider-Man did not receive the comics book, uh, the comic code authority approval. So if you look at that issue, uh, which is like issue 98, I think of that run. Um, I have a problem. I just fill my head with things I don't need to know. You do need to know because we have a podcast. (laughs) That's true. Um, So if you find that issue, it does not have the the CCA approval on it. Um, So after that, they did do a revision um, and slightly modify the rules. um, Basically just stipulating that 
it relaxed certain rules that were more in line with curtain freer attitudes towards sex, drug use, and the publication of horror comics um, and disturbing, disturbing in, um, imagery. Similarly to the Hayes Code, the Comics Code Authority just like very slowly became more limited and people found more and more ways around it. Mm-hmm. Um, and through the 70s and 80s, the publishers like basically just started finding ways to just fully not even get the seal. Instead, they, because the CCA seal of approval was only really required for people selling comic books in like general stores, grocery stores, um, even certain just like general bookstores. Mm-hmm. Um, but the 70s and 80s is when we started having comic book specific stores popping up. So they would just be like, all right, we'll just sell it in comic book stores. <laughs> Because they now had a market of people who were fans and people like being able to be like, no, this is not for the general public. This is for people seeking out this content directly and they're looking for comic books. They don't care. Yeah. So just like distributors and stores would purchase from the publisher directly with or without a seal because it is specialty content in a specialized store then. So pretty much get fucked. We're going to make this anyways. Um, so they stayed with those um, more relaxed rules. And basically the relaxed rules themselves were, what did they actually, how did they word them? I have it pulled up here. Uh, allowing for sympathetic depictions of criminal behavior and corruption among public officials, as long as it portrayed as it, is it is portrayed as exceptional and that the culprit is punished um as well as permitting some criminal activity to kill law enforcement agents which had not previously been allowed you could not kill off a member of law enforcement in any any way in your comic um the suggestion but not the portrayal of seductive activity um Suggestive posture, the clause of suggestive posture is also an example. They also removed the uh, the clause about vampires, ghouls, and werewolves as long as they are handled in a classical tra- mm. uh, tradition or other high caliber literary works. So, like, they could start doing Frankenstein stories, Edgar Allan Poe stories, um, Conan Doyle stories, um, and respected those authors. Zombies, though lacking, because they lacked the requisite literary background, were also still banned. Okay. Um, it's definitely make, going to make me, because I want to start getting into buying comics a bit more. Yeah. Uh, mostly just stuff from what I remember as a kid. But it's going to make me kind of view things differently. Yeah. Of like, oh, like, how how did the CCA, CCA um, affect this this writing style yeah so a lot of this especially for dc dc seems like such a strain <laughs> like the one that wouldn't be a, I... like that would go on go out on their own you know because i always so... found them to be a lot more grittier and darker with their tones so what's really initially very funny dc had threatened to leave in the 70s Oh, really? Before they'd relaxed these rules. Oh. Um, they had, they had, like, said, like, 
like they had talked about leaving the the group entirely but then ended up being one of the last holdouts yeah which is so wild to me then i was also just thinking of course marvel would leave because one of their main properties x-men is all about fighting against bigotry and and racism that was like that's their biggest draw yeah and as well as like you look back at like progressive works yes where like so and I think that's a really good distinction. Like DC is more dark topic. Yeah. Whereas um, Marvel. Marvel is more about progressive, progressive thinking. And I love that. And I, yeah. like, I love that you can find both of those things within them. Absolutely. Um, I just, I just pulled this up and that makes me, that makes it so funny. What's that? So. The. Typically, the code administrator would have been Leonard Dar- uh, Darden, but he was ill when Stanley submitted the Spider-Man story. So, would you like to know who the acting administrator was? Who? John L. Goldwater. John L. Goldwater is the publisher of Archie Comics. What? Yeah. So he is who reviewed and said <gasps> no. What the hell? Um. And that's refused funny. to get code approval because of the depiction of narcotics being used regardless of context. And I was just, I was just read this quote from like, no, it was comics president Mike Pelletro Pelletro stated that the code did not affect his company the way it did others as quote, we aren't about to start stuffing bodies into refrigerators, end quote. Absolutely wild. Um, so they also, the change was for the depiction of narcotics or drug addiction to present it as a vicious habit, which is why Green Lantern, Green Arrow was allowed to do Speedy being addicted to heroin. Because it was, I remember seeing the cover of that. I don't know if you've ever seen the cover of that no. comic book. Um, so it is the Green Lantern, Green Arrow issue 85. 85. The cover is haunting. It's like, what now? We're doing what? We're doing this. Okay, good. Good to know. Oh, Jesus. Right? It's like, that's aggressive. That's like in your face. Like, it's like, mm-hmm. that, like right? That one? Yeah. Um, but basically, they just started as things would come up, um, kind of relaxing or rewording things throughout um based on what was being submitted mm-hmm. changes to the government all the way through the 80s till now so it it adjusted and revamped a few times between then there wasn't another huge rewrite the way that there was in the 70s but there was just like through the 80s they would be laxing on rules here and there um by the 2000s advertisers no longer made decisions to advertise based on the appearance of the stamp in 2001 cca rejected an issue of the marvel comic x-force requiring changes to be uh instead marvel just stopped submitting comics to the cca like we're done we're over that that was 2001 yeah so marvel stopped in 2001 um bongo comics discontinued in 2010. In 2010, some publishers, including Archie, placed a seal on their comics without submitting them to to the CMAA. 
that's where the quote came from about the we don't stuff bodies. We are in a bunch of stuff. Which is fucking hilarious when you look at new Archie comics. And also like the TV show. <laughs> and also that's a weird dig to make, my friends. Such a weird dig. I just like why are you mad like you guys are not in competing content at all. So, um basically uh, January 2011, DC announced that it would no longer be participating uh, and adopting a rating system similar to the way that Marvel's uh, rated their comics because that's what they switched to was a rating system for their comic books. So, like, mature, yeah. PG kind of thing. Basically, same as, like, what the MPA does now gotcha. um, after the removal of the Hays Code, which is, like, just, is the content appropriate for your kid, yes or no? Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, the company noted that it had submitted comics for approval through December 10th, but had December of 2010, but would no longer be doing so. Days later, Archie Comics, the only other publisher still participating, announced it was also discontinuing, um, rendering the code defunct. Like, now comics had stopped. Dark Horse wasn't doing... Dark Horse, I don't think, ever participated because theirs was all adult-based. Right. Um, and... Since there was no one participating in it, the code was now defunct. September of that year, the Comic Legal Defense Fund announced that it would be uh, would acquire the uh, intellectual property rights to the seal from the CMAA. Ah, interesting. So the comic code seal can be seen at the beginning of the 2018 superhero film Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse as part of the production logos. And I is, am going to take another look next time I watch it. Uh, and that's because of the comic book legal defense fund because they now own the symbol. Ha! That's amazing. Uh, later in the film, we see, well, Miles is reading a Spider-Man Origins, a slightly altered of Amazing Fantasy number 15. The logo is replaced with similar logo according reading approved by the Cabin Fever production code. <laughs> um, but yeah, so basically in trying to keep everything as white and manly and Christian as possible, they destroyed what could have been years of really interesting stories. But then I also think we wouldn't have gotten what we did. I think, yeah, exactly. Two sides of the same coin, right? It's and very difficult because I am all, I hate censorship of any form. Yeah. I don't think that anybody has a right to a platform, but I also don't think that um, if there is people who are willing to buy it and everyone is allowed to produce whatever they would like, whether or not you want to participate in that is an entirely different thing. Yeah. I think it's just the whole like bottlenecking and just making it so difficult for everyone. You mm -hmm. know, I think that's, and it was just so aggressive. It really was. Like it you look at the language used, it was like, it's, it will be eliminated. You are not allowed to have this thing. And it's just like, who are you to tell me what I can or cannot have? Yeah. Or and what I can or cannot do. And it is, a it's storytelling, which yeah. is the wildest thing, right? It's like, I love it? that I have been progressively moving closer to you and you have been progressively moving farther away. Oh, I, I didn't think I was moving away. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so, I'm more than happy to cuddle. This is fine. <laughs> I think because I couldn't get like the blanket on the way. I'm just like, I'm going to spill oh, over. Oh, And then <laughs> it's like, but we have maintained the exact same amount of distance and I know that I have moved over. <laughs> so you are obviously moving away from me. 
I'm only so close to the wall, too. I was going to say, yeah. There's, there's only so far you can go. Um, it's my shame. My yeah. shame is, like, pushing me back. <laughs> and Kayla's just like, let me give you all the information. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, that is the not-so-brief and very dense history of the Comic Code Authority. And please go out and like watch these videos and read this con and read the content out there because let's be real they, they they've done a better job absolutely <laughs> I um I, the the in praise and shadows video series is really two good. it's incredible but it is two one hour and a half long episodes um it's with, a lot to take in with uh fully scripted tons of reference yeah. research. Uh, photo and video examples and like cited resources absolutely incredible the article I read on Book Riot um, really really wonderful uh, there is a plethora of different articles and videos on it so please if you want more information mm -hmm. look it up if you want links to any of the stuff that we watched let us just let us know. I'm happy to share that. And a big shout out for me to the Heroes Reforged Discord group because they have like a bunch of like really amazing people on there that I was like, can anyone help me? And like someone just like sent me all the just things. Just spat all of the information at you. I'm sorry I didn't read all of them. I do want to go back and like actually like delve into it a bit more. Mm -hmm. It was just like, I have time. I have time. I don't have time. Like, what happened? I have time. <laughs> um. And it's admittedly, I did a quick little rejig of it, mm -hmm. but I also had like sat down and like watched hours of stuff for my own weird, I need to know all of the things. I think it was like, I had a hard time finding stuff specifically just for superhero content. And I, yeah. Like I said, because the big thing is it eliminated EC comics. It eliminated the horror and, and crime genres for, for a long, a long time. time. And it's sad. It, they even had a dicey time getting Swamp Thing. Really? Because... Oh, it's the the, the monster. Yeah. Uh, but because he was a transformed man with a devil is how they build him. Ah. So he wasn't like a zombie. It was like, apparently it was like a whole big thing. Um, but yeah, it's so funny how current affairs and current attitudes really really affect the media mm -hmm. that we consume and everything is a reflection on where things are globally and politically yeah let's not go back to it let's not go back to uh, aggressively eliminating every piece of content because you disagree that you with... personally disagree with <laughs> guess what look away go find something that makes you happy nobody is demanding that you sit down and watch it at all or read at it all. or buy it or spend your money on it it's like guess what nobody's I'm, forcing you i'm done with house of the dragon i'm over it i don't want to watch it anymore and that's it that's all i'm gonna do yeah i'm watching something else that makes me happy yeah god forbid you do things that make you happy and i think that that is a great note for us to end on do things consume things mm -hmm. put your energy into things that make you happy and have fun fuck yeah life is far too fucking short way too short until next time nerds thank you for tuning in bye, bye.